Listen to the best of the church's music for the Epiphany season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the Epiphany season, 24-7. LutheranPublicRadio.org. These two women attract a crowd wherever they go, Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama. I think it's fair to say they might be among the favorite women of kind of the blue zip code. But now they're together on the stage, at least some of the stops in Oprah Winfrey's 2020 Vision Your Life in Focus tour. There is Oprah Winfrey. She has various guests and among them, Michelle Obama. Does it surprise anyone that in the course of those appearances, there is an occasional yell of Oprah 2020, not her tour, but maybe for president? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going to be talking about media coverage of Oprah's 2020 Vision Tour and the Democratic presidential race. Terry Mattingly joins us. He's senior fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi, author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Why is this tour a blue zip code fantasy ticket? Well, I think it's interesting that the Washington Post article that I kind of dug into a bit in many ways answers that question without ever answering it. And what I mean by that is the article is set up to be, this is not a political tour. Yet, obviously, it has political implications with Michelle Obama and with Oprah, who has been a kind of a kingmaker in presidential politics for a couple of decades now and followed around by the whispers that she should run for president. Now, stop and think about this for a second. Would people seriously be thinking about Oprah running for president if we didn't have a reality TV star currently sitting in the White House? They might be talking about it, but now I think they're really talking about it. What fascinated me with this article was the article is soaked in a kind of happy, joyful, vague, spiritual language from beginning to end. Yet the article never opens up and talks about the religious implications of a lot of what's happening. I mean, the lead... It wasn't long after Oprah took the stage for her 2020 vision, Your Life in Focus tour. Equal parts, Weight Watchers pitch, gospel revival, and wellness fair before she said what was on the tip of the audience's tongues. The early stages of the tour, we had trouble coming up with the right title. We did talk about Oprah 2020, but I thought you might get the wrong idea. Okay, there's your political thing. That's what the Washington Post is interested in. What I'm interested in, of course, is all the way through this article, there is this heavy emphasis on it's a vision tour. The people have come to attend these rallies looking for a savior. The word savior is used. The Washington Post says, obviously, there needs to be some kind of national healing. The thesis statement of the article was, the not Oprah 2020 event could have been a political rally from an alternate dimension 
where two of Blue America's most beloved figures have teamed up to take back the country from President Trump. The Vision Tour, vision is itself kind of a religious word, was in fact an event from this dimension where Blue Americans, anxious and exhausted and restless, have directed some of that energy toward governing their own bodies and minds. <laughs> this is the self-help spirituality shelf of the local bookstore sprung to life, you know, and most of those books would be Oprah-endorsed to some degree anyway. Here's what fascinates me, and this is the transition to the other thing I think we should talk about today, which is I'm not a big partisan politics guy, but you'd have to be crazy not to be paying some attention to the Nevada primary debates tonight with Mayor Bloomberg jumping in for the first time into the mix. This article basically says what Blue America needs right now is to feel better about themselves, to feel better about mind and body and sort of soul, and they need joy and they need positivity. And right now at this moment, I think you'd have to say that the odds are extremely good that the head of the Democratic ticket is either going to be Bernie Sanders or Mayor Bloomberg. If you're just looking at the odds right now, who's got the money and who has the on-the-ground support? And if one of those two men is at the top of the ticket, and let's say Amy Kolbishar is the vice president slot or some other person who is both competent and symbolic in that role, something that Richard Osling said last night at the first Get Religion Forum at Ole Miss, at the Overby Center in Ole Miss, he said, are these the two most secular men to ever seek the, the presidency, or if they are elected, to become president? And, of course, both of them are in a cultural sense of Jewish heritage, and Jewish heritage would be a big, huge news slot. But we're not talking about a Senator Joe Lieberman situation here. In Bernie and Bloomberg, you're dealing with men who have been so upfront about their secularism. Uh, I think Bernie's got to walk back some language that's really close to atheism. The word atheism has been following him around for about five years now, as it was very apparent that he wanted to seek the presidency. Atheism is not a great word in America. A lot of people are militantly in favor of it, and they're very articulate and very loud, especially on Twitter. But at some point, if you're starting to think about winning voters in the Midwest and in even in Florida and some other key swing states, atheism is probably not at the top of what the Democratic Party needs to be arguing about right now or trying to explain. Dick's other point, though, I think was very interesting. Name a president of the United States more secular than Donald Trump. If you actually look at his life, look at how he's behaved his life, and look at his extremely tangential relationship to Christian faith until he needed to run for presidency, at which point he starts contacting all other people. So what does that have to do with the Oprah and Obama 2.0 show? Positive, vision, 
Savior, good feelings, inner health versus angry Bernie and really, really, really low-key, dour, serious, some would say outright boring Bloomberg. Isn't that an interesting mix at this stage of the political year? I'm curious, you had mentioned the lead in the Washington Post story, and the word that stuck out to me in the lead is an overtly religious word that is apparently being used by the writer and the editors in a secular way, gospel revival. Well, they're talking style. They're talking uh, hands in the air. And Oprah, of course, is an absolute master of this kind of semi-black church call and response, semi-God talk. We're here to to raise up the spirit of, of hope in America. She's a master at that kind of language. But in my, in my piece for Get Religion, I paused and went, what does the word gospel mean in this context? Yet what does Savior mean in this context? What does hope mean? What does wellness mean? What does healing mean? mean they, they you know they couldn't be using all of those religious words without some intent yet the washington post article never pauses for a moment and says that the tour and its contents has anything directly linked to religion or that some sort of hopeful spiritual vaguely spiritual drive might be something the democratic party's blue base needs right now. It occurs to me, Terry, that there's a story to be written here. It would have to be written by someone who has connections in religious academia, religious studies, things like that, who could talk to some experts about, you know, there are people who were Ronald Reagan supporters, but people were not crying their eyes out at Ronald Reagan political rallies. They were cheering away from American flags. But there are people who are brought to tears by Donald Trump. There are people who are brought to tears by Bernie Sanders. And there are certainly people who are brought to tears by Oprah Winfrey, even though she's officially not running. There is a religious atmosphere in our politics today like there may not have been for maybe 50 years. I think what really has opened up here, and I, I think a lot of it did begin with Ronald Reagan and his communication skills, staging skills, etc., but I really think our politics, you now need star power up there. And if you don't have star power up top, and even entertainment skills, the ability to think on your feet, to talk clearly. I mean, let's face it, Obama was very articulate, very good looking, very charismatic, you know, in a lot of different ways, and a riveting public speaker. Can you run for president right now without some brand of star power that works with ordinary Americans and specifically within the Democratic Party context? You need a kind of star power that sells you as a sincere, hopeful, trustworthy human being to the crucial grassroots African-American church vote. And once again, trying to picture Bernie or Bloomberg standing in the pulpit of a large African-American megachurch 
in Florida or Georgia or someplace like that saying, hey, guys, I'm one of you. I really understand what y'all are about. Now, Bernie's articulate enough. He might come up with some formula that works in liberal mainline and progressive black churches. But let's face it, he's going to struggle in a lot of other places. And as we have talked about before, if you put Mayor Pete Buttigieg on the ticket, there you have another religious and moral issue situation that arises with Latino and African-American voters and swing vote Catholics in the Midwestern states. Catholics, as a rule, are quite liberal functionally on LGBTQ issues, but church-going Catholics are not. And once again, that's the big swing vote in American politics is the, the Sunday morning Catholic, as you and I have discussed before. You wrote uh, this after reviewing sections of the Washington Post review of Oprah's 2020 vision tour. It appears to me that this is an alternative blue zone religion with the queen of Oprah America reaching out to religiously unaffiliated swing voters slash consumers. What else could it be? What did you mean by that, Terry? Well, Oprah is very powerful and has been popular for years even in kind of middle-of-the-road evangelical megachurch land. I mean, this woman is a superstar on any level. She has unbelievable communication skills and the money and the media connections to back it up. Some people say that George W. Bush won his first race for the presidency because he went on Oprah and did well walked right out, embraced her, kissed her, and felt like he just like, this is my aunt from down the street. He was just, it was one of the most natural of the George W. Bush performances. And some people think that that helped him greatly in suburban America. But once again, Oprah is the definition of the independent, middle-of-the-road, mushy, semi-religious hopeful middle of America between the atheist agnostics and religiously unaffiliated and then on the the true believers, the religiously devout on the other end of the spectrum. Oprah defines the middle. I've been calling the middle of American religion and public life, I've been calling it Oprah America for almost 30 years now. She's a master. And do you think it would matter who Oprah endorses for president? I think second only to who President Obama would endorse. It might be really close between the two of them. But right now, why is Michelle sitting next to Oprah? There's an implied connection there. There's an implied, like, tune in here later for further information. And what is that information? The Washington Post puts it right up top. How do we get rid of Trump? And... Hollywood and Washington political establishment Democrats right now seem to be giving Bloomberg his look over. But I, I want to stop just for a second and remind listeners of two particular things. When we talk about the secularism of Bloomberg and the secularism of Bernie and how that plays out, I want to remind them of two things that I think we talked about on the show two years ago a very important moment 
two and a half years ago, early in the process of Trump's nominees coming before the U.S. Senate and going through that. Would you remember that there was a former Wheaton College-connected man who was up for one of the economic slots related in the Trump administration. His last name was Voigt, and he was a former professor at Wheaton. As a part of that, he had made some statements, and one of them was that he believed that salvation is through Christ alone. And he had been a part of a controversy about another Wheaton College professor who had made headlines by saying that Christians and his Muslims worship the same God. So Sanders this, to me, was one of the most interesting and complex moments during that era and didn't get anywhere near the attention that it deserved. Sanders stood him right up and said, you wrote Muslims do not have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they've rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned. Do you believe that statement Islamic is Islamophobic? And Voigt said, Senator, I'm a Christian, and Sanders shouts him down. I understand you're a Christian, but this country is made of people who are not. Do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be condemned? Sanders at the end said he would reject Voigt because, quote, this nominee is not really not someone who this country is supposed to be about. Now, what's fascinating about that is there were no allegations of anything in Voigt's background of discrimination toward other believers or whatever. He was involved in a theological debate at an evangelical, maybe one of the two or three most important evangelical campuses in America, about a distinctly theological point of view. And Sanders is saying he doesn't need to be approved for an office in an economics office you know, related to the U.S. government because he believes that salvation is through Christ alone. That's a very interesting moment. In Bloomberg's case, the thing that I think we should listen for and see if any reporters go there tonight is Bloomberg took a stand in New York City that very much was related to this whole church-state issues about equal access and religious liberty and First Amendment rights. You may remember that Mayor Bloomberg made New York City one of the only places in America where religious nonprofits cannot rent empty public school facilities on Sunday mornings. All over America, there are churches who rent schools, rent the, uh, the gymnasium or the auditorium and a couple of classrooms and hold services. It's, a, it's an inexpensive way for churches without a lot of financial resources to be able to start up and get rolling. Well, in New York City, can you imagine what it costs to buy enough building space and our land to build a church? Well, all of a sudden, this knocked all kinds of churches completely out of the places where they were getting facilities for worship, and it influenced way more than Anglo or white congregations. It had a devastating impact on African-Americans, Latinos, Koreans, and other minority audience churches. So Bloomberg, if you're trying to reach out to the middle of America and you want to be able to go to Latinos and African-Americans and 
mainstream or left of center evangelicals and whatever and say, hey, I understand you. We can work together. We can find a way for teamwork. With the two men who are now most likely to become the nominee for the Democratic Party are two of the most secular men in American life on issues of religious freedom, as we've seen in a very important subject in our current atmosphere here in America. And I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people may write at this about them being Jewish, and I'm not saying that it's not important that they're not Jewish, but I think it's very important that they are both very much secular and cultural men when it comes to religion. Bernie lately has been talking a lot about Judaism and how it has affected his ethics and his personal drive and some of his beliefs. He's trying to come up with a a kind of Jewish language that works for him, and that's important and that's valid, and of course he's obviously free to do that. The issue is how well does that relate to building any kind of bridges in the middle of America's cultural divides right now. And Bloomberg is in many ways just as strong in terms of being pro-secularism as Bernie. He might just be less articulate about it. Terry Mattingly is our guest. We're talking about media coverage of Oprah's 2020 Your Life in Focus tour and the Democratic presidential race. After the break, did the Washington Post story describe Oprah's vision tour as a spiritual revival? Looking for a foreign language program that will revolutionize your students' vocabulary knowledge and their understanding of grammar? How about a program that teaches critical thinking skills, too? Look no further than Memoria Press's Latin curriculum. Students of all ages can use these Latin study programs. Give your students the gift of Latin today. To order, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next order by using the coupon code LPR20. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Others talk. We have something to say. You're listening to Issues Etc. Have you ever wondered if your investments could do more? I mean, a whole lot more? This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. When you invest with us, you not only earn a competitive interest rate, but your investment goes to strengthen Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations through low-cost loans and services. To learn more, visit lcef.org backslash invest101. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. I prefer St. Paul who says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And that's what the February issue of the Lutheran Witness is all about, hearing and believing. It includes articles about hearing with your eyes, singing the gospel, listening to the word of God in sermons, and proclaiming the gospel in foreign lands. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe today. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world, from a Lutheran perspective, cph.org slash witness. Thanks to Kim in Gresham, Oregon, Craig and Susan in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Austin and Gretchen in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. 
for registering in the last 24 hours for the 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. The premier conference for Christian laity is Friday, June 12th and Saturday, June 13th in Chicago. It's an opportunity for you to meet and hear Mark and Molly Hemingway, Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Robert George, Pastor Hans Feeney, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, and Pastor Will Whedon. Find out more and register at issuesetc.org or give us a call 618-223-8385. Making the Case, June 12th and 13th at Concordia University. We're talking about media coverage of Oprah's 2020 tour and the Democratic presidential race. Terry Mattingly is our guest. So, Terry, it seems to me that the Washington Post piece does everything but say that the focus of your life tour was a spiritual revival. It describes it in all those terms. Exactly right. And if you go back to coverage of the early Barack Obama rise to the presidency, you heard all kinds of religious language being associated with him and his ability to talk open. Now, he had a liberal Christian faith, a member of the United Church of Christ, but his ability to feel comfortable talking about his religious faith and salvation and prayer, and this is one of the things in America that even if we don't agree, this can bring us together. That was central to Obama's appeal. So the image people need to to just picture in their mind right now is you're at the Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey event. If Barack Obama walked out on the stage, besides, let's, let's say his wife isn't even there, but if his wife is there, I mean, this is even more important. But if Barack Obama walks out on that stage, how is he received by the audience? It's the second coming. It's the second coming. And the people have talked about Michelle running for the presidency. In effect, he combined the kind of liberal, natural, Christian, progressive voice that worked with the African-American church, especially before he changed his positions on LGBTQ issues and religious liberty. He had the whole package. So how do they get the whole package again? So in your mind's eye, even before tonight's debate, okay, here's Oprah, here's Michelle, and out walks Bernie Sanders. How does Bernie Sanders fit in that audience facing suburban, liberal suburban, blue zip code women and the people who who speak their language and want to reach out to them? How does Bernie connect with them? I see it being awkward at the least. And if Bloomberg walks out there with his history of Me Too events and a bunch of other stuff and with even less charisma than Bernie – how does Bloomberg do facing the Oprah audience? I think it's not it's not awkward. It's cold. I mean, this is what people need to watch for tonight in Nevada. Is there some sort of moment that Bloomberg just kind of shoots himself in the foot? This is his first exposure to the race. He's not known for being charismatic. He's not known for being quick on his feet. He's a guy that likes to make his points And dang it, if you won't let me make them, I'll buy some forum that will. But you can't do that in the kind of debate that's going to be out there tonight. So this is very important. Not just how does Bloomberg perform tonight politically. How does Bloomberg perform tonight as entertainment, as bringer of hope, as bringer of healing, 
as bringer of vision, as a savior. All of those words that were in that Washington Post piece, which was, of course, not a religion piece. It was a political piece. But that religion-drenched piece, how do Bernie and Bloomberg sound when framed with all of those words, with all those crucial words from both Oprah America and Obama 1.0. With only a minute here, Terry, are you saying that for either a Sanders or a Bloomberg to win the presidency in 2020, they have to win Oprah America? They certainly have got to motivate it to get out. Don't forget that if Hillary, in crucial parts of America, especially in the Rust Belt and the upper Midwest, Hillary ran 10, 15, 20 points behind Obama in crucial sections of those regions, in suburbs and in big cities. In other words, Hillary isn't president today because Democrats didn't get out and vote for her. Now, we know Bernie can bring some people out, but who brings out Oprah America and specifically the African-American church-going grassroots section of the Democratic Party that is absolutely crucial. Who is the savior with a small s? Who's the hope bringer, the visionary, the healer? Who's going to wear that cape? Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi, author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. He's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thanks. Glad to be here. Tomorrow on Issues Etc., we'll conclude our series on the Lord's Supper in the Church with Pastor Jonathan Fisk, author of the Issues Etc., Book of the Month for February, Without Flesh. We'll also study the hymn Praise the One Who Breaks the Darkness with Dr. Arthur Jess of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University Chicago, with a message for parents, grandparents, and godparents of college-bound children. Concordia Chicago is a distinctive, comprehensive university of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We're devoted to our Lutheran confession and committed to strong academics. Please encourage your child, grandchild, or godchild to check out Concordia University Chicago at cuchicago.edu. Repentance and forgiveness, sin and grace, law and gospel, more than cliches, real preaching for real people in need of hearing the real Christ. 
Christ for You and the Divine Service at St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, Illinois, where we gather every Saturday night at 6 and on the Lord's Day, Sunday mornings at 7.45 and 10. Look for the Church of the Neon Cross on I-55 between exits 30 and 33. Find us on the web, stpaullutheranchurchhamill.org. St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, where there is the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation for the people of God.